Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come to a feast that people don't know very much. It isn't even much celebrated in parishes until the publication by Boston of the Pentecostarium. And there, in an introduction, there is this remarkable analysis of this feast, which has brought it into such prominence. And among other things, the probability that this was the feast day for all those great churches, and they were always the cathedral churches of capitals, uh, the Hagia Sophia, the Divine Wisdom. And of course, the divine wisdom of the Father is Christ. So, this feast focuses on Christ. The great theme of the feast is water. You and I can go for a very, very long time without solid food. But like all living things, we cannot go very long without water. And in that sense, water is more essential than anything else for living things. As the most essential of all foods, water is also a primary, and some would even say the primary natural manifestation of the presence of God. We know that in ancient times, wastelands, <coughs> deserts, were deemed to be the kingdoms of the demons. And the reason that they all felt that, both the ancient Hebrews and the surrounding pagans, was that water was the blessing of God. It wasn't a blessing, it was the blessing. And the place where water is not, that is, the place that God does not bless, is the place that the demons can be relatively safe on this planet. And so when the monks go out into the deserts, they go to challenge the devil on his own turf, his own place. They invade his own stronghold. This feast of water is narrowed down by the text of the service to the waters of piety. Hefsivir. And piety has become, like so much else as a result of the Protestant Reformation, a bad world word. He is pious. Oh, she is pious. And there are strong suggestions of hypocrisy, of faking it. And we understand that the Protestant Reformers were, of course, uh, bouncing off a debased form of Christianity as they understood it in the 16th century. Irrelevant. Pious is a very good word. And we understand what piety is from the Gospel today. Piety is life. It isn't hypocrisy. It isn't certain pious gestures, crossing yourself, doing various things. In the uh, old English cycle, of Robin Hood, a Friar Tuck is the one who incarnates the uh, Western, the growing Western sense. Even then, 13th century, 
long before the Reformation, even then, that there is something wrong. And at one point, Friar Tuck, in the original cycle, becomes very frightened. He begins to cross himself. and says, oh yes, there he stood, crossing himself like a windmill. I remember that was one of the first times as a child when I was reading something, I burst out laughing out loud. I thought that was so funny. I saw this very large Franciscan friar standing there crossing himself like a windmill. I thought it was very funny. Well, that's the way the word it used, was used. And how sad. Piety is life. Piety is reverence. Piety is being serious about serious things, standing reverently before holy things. Piety is knowing what is what, knowing where you are, where you stand. Piety is what God refers to when he tells Moses, standing before the burning bush, take off thy shoe from off thy foot, for the ground whereon thou standest is holy ground. Well, the ground on which we stand, which we take our stand, all we the baptized, is holy ground. Because we're standing on it. And therefore we stand there with a kind of reverence which is pious, which is sweet, which is good. There is a piety towards the church, there is a piety towards icons, towards the saints, towards the Panagia, all of that. Can that piety be false? Yes, it can. Can it be betrayed? Can it be manipulated? Can it be used? Yes, it can. But what cannot? The feast of water, the feast of faith, the feast of piety, the feast of life. Without water there is death. Everything dies, plants, animals and human beings. But with water there can be life. Water is the precious symbol of all things. With water God chastised the whole earth in the times of Noah. And on that very water of chastisement, God sent the olive branch as the sign of reconciliation and peace. Water is the water for us of baptism, where our sinfulness is washed away, but also where we take a stand in that water and we set our minds and our hearts resolutely against the sinful tendencies and passions in our own personality. After our baptism, do we not fall? Do we not stumble? Do we not sin again? Of course we do. Do we think that the devil simply packs up his little suitcase and takes a train for somewhere else? Of course he doesn't. The devil will hound us to the grave. He is never finished with us until we are finished with this earthly life. And then he stands either over our dead body victorious or defeated. But though we sin many times and stumble in many ways after our baptisms, after receiving the body and blood of the Savior in communion, we get up. Someone asks the desert father, Tell us, Father, what is your life like out there in that desert? We fall, we get up, we fall, we get up, we fall, we get up. And that is the way of it. May God grant that on this great feast of mid-Pentecost, a feast which reminds us of those times when Christ stands in the temple shouting out a message to deaf ears. 
Christ who will tell us that those who truly hear him and constitute his church are the few, the remnant. Christ who tells us that the path of salvation is found by the few, Olihi, the few. May that shout reverberate in our deep hearts. We who want the living water, the waters of life, the waters which are themselves both the sign that God blesses us and that God blesses us with his very presence. Amen.